Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only. To learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to today's show. Today's show is um, number two in a series on romance as part of a uh, educational opportunity and an opportunity to get the next level romance program. And also, this is episode 100 of the Next Level Human podcast. So a little bit of a milestone there. I've been just loving doing the podcast, loving getting all your feedback. Um, Please keep it up. It's been really, really fun and enjoyable. And remember, as always, if you follow me on social media, please DM me with your suggestion for shows. Most all the shows that I do, almost every single one is from a suggestion from all of you. And so I really like getting those uh, suggestions. It gives me ideas and it allows me to just pop on here, look at what people have been asking for, and then just crank out a podcast. All right. So last time we ended in episode 99 last week, before you get into this episode, you might want to listen to that one, but I'm going to do a brief recap here on romance. Part of what we talked about last time is that Just like in life and success and endeavors in health and fitness and finance and personal relationships and purpose and meaning, those four jobs that every single human has to do, just like with those particular aspects, stories dominate, right? The stories that we grow up with dominate us. And these stories are what I call seed stories oftentimes, especially the early ones that we absorb and end up believing in the age from one to six years old when we are largely unconscious and we're more like sponges for beliefs. We end up uh, believing what our culture believes. We end up uh, believing what our family believes. And many, many people never grow out of this. And some of these stories come from Uh, You know, deep seated wounds, people who hurt us and people who helped us, whether we believe the world is safe, whether we believe we are worthy, all of those kinds of things. Well, in romance, last time we talked about the idea that your way that you show up in romantic relationships have an awful lot to do with these seed stories and they have an awful lot to do with your past hurts and the past ways that you've approached relationships. And we talked about the idea that if you're going to have a next level romance, 
You need to take all these past experiences, especially the hurt and pain, and integrate them and learn the lessons from them so you can grow and get better. One of the things we talked about was that the quality of a romantic relationship can never exceed the quality of the relationship you have with yourself. This is critically important that we work very hard on making sure we are the next level human so that we can recognize other next level human potential partners and they can recognize us. We also talked about the idea of the FEEL acronym and we're going to basically discuss that here right off the bat. The FEEL acronym is the way we talked about last time about how to get over the emotional hurts of romance, past romance. We talked about this idea last time that many of us are maybe lying at night next to one partner, but still pining over or hurt over another partner. And that permeates every aspect of our romantic lives. Many times when I was doing couple couples counseling and I would work with people uh, sort of simultaneously, they'd be together in the room or together on the phone. And sometimes I would work with them alone and I'd be shocked to know and realize that it is very common for people to be in relationships, but have other humans that end up occupying their sexual romantic brains. Even though they might be in a relationship with another partner, they're still pining for a different kind of partner. And so the FEEL acronym helps you integrate this stuff. F-E-E-E-L, three E's. The first one is you must feel the feeling. You must recognize it. You must describe it. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I am sad. I am overwhelmed. I am disappointed. I am frustrated. We need to get very clear with what is the emotion that we are feeling. Part of the reason that we need to do that, whether it's a, a early wound, something that happened in the past, or a more acute wound, something that's happened relatively recently, we need to realize that a lot of these emotional states will trigger old stories. And so these emotions will be repeated emotions and repeated patterns. And one of the rules of being a next level human is always to realize that the idea here is that if it is a repeated emotion that you have felt over and over again with different people or a repeated pattern that you have felt over and over again with different people in different situations or a recurrent obstacle, then this is about you. Then you are the one that must deal with it. You are the common denominator here. So in this FEEL acronym to get over emotional hurts, we first need to understand the emotions and see where we felt those emotions before. The, the first E is edit. And this is where we'll basically start this particular uh, second part where we talk about meeting and dating and relationships in general. But in order to get over past hurts and to move on and to start to become the next level human that we want to be so we can find the next level romantic partner that we are seeking, we need to edit these old stories. We need to literally write them out pen to paper or on a keyboard, in our notes, in our computers or on our mobile devices. We need to write out exactly what's happened, what happened, the chrono chronology of it all. And then we need to write right up to current day. And then at this point, we write into the future as if we are a producer, editor, uh, a writer for a movie. And we write out into the future the lessons that we will learn, how this will have made me better, who I will be as a result. Part of this edit process is also dealing with the honor code, which we'll get to here in a minute. The other two E's are the elimination process. You cannot uh, continue 
to engage with past relationships in the same way that you have. You are a different human being. You will never meet another person like that again. Yes, this is true, but not because they are they are special and different, but because you are no longer that person. If you were to re-engage with these people, even after a few months or a few years, rest assured, you are probably very different now. And so it won't be the same. And so you need to eliminate these people. Now, oftentimes people say, well, Jade, how can I eliminate a, uh, you know, someone who's the father of my child or a coworker I have to see every day? That has to do with boundaries. And so if you can't eliminate these people from your uh, sort of everyday activity, then you need to essentially say, here are the boundaries and the limits to which I will deal with this person. The third E is about exercise. It is a mood enhancer. It reduces anxiety. It makes you feel better and have more self-esteem and be more capable. And the last one is really the L, which is live a different life. Do everything different. Learn, laugh, lust, love, differently than you have in the past. And so as we start this episode, we're going to take the edit part of the feel acronym and the live part of the feel acronym and begin to go into meeting, dating, and sort of relationships in general. And so when we get into meeting, it's really about deciding who you want to be first. So the story edit is huge, right? And in order to really do a really good story at it. I did a episode on the honor code. This was episode 85 of this podcast, number 85. You're going to want to revisit that because part of becoming your next level human self and attracting and recognizing your next level human partner is working on an honor code, deciding who you will be, taking the values that you want, deciding that you will be a different human. So with me, when I came up with this idea sort of on a whim, when I was struggling after going through my divorce and my affair, I decided to do this honor code where I would write down everything that I wanted to be and do, the kind of human that I wanted to die as. And honesty was the first thing, obviously, that I saw I had to work on. I was never going to be a dishonest human again. I was going to make honesty my religion. I wrote this down in my honor code kindness and generosity, which were already a huge part of who I was, I wrote down that I wanted to double down on them. So what I added into my honor code was honesty. And I wrote out who I wanted to be. And this then described for me the kind of humans that I wanted to attract. In other words, if honesty is a part of my honor code, I cannot deal with people who cannot be honest. The other thing I wrote down is that I will be a uh, really good, honest communicator and over communicate if I have to. And this also meant that I cannot be with a romantic partner who is not willing to communicate in the way that I do. So you got to get very specific with this. And then at that point, what I did when I moved out to um, Los Angeles is I started to say, where would I actually meet individuals who are extremely honest who are great communicators, who are kind and um, who are generous. And I had a couple other things in there who were self-sufficient monetarily, who were um, committed to health and fitness because this was a value system of mine. And I started to look, where would these people be? Well, they would be at professional conferences, perhaps. Um, I, I wanted someone who was highly educated, someone who valued um, learning and knowledge. So they would be at 
professional conferences. They would be at, um, you know, a particular gym. I settled on CrossFit for two reasons. One, I wanted to be less introverted. I'm a very introverted individual and I can easily just get in my silo and spend months alone before realizing, oh, I, I need some, you know, human you know, sort of interaction. And so CrossFit was a big one because it was group exercise. I was trying to get out of my box. My old style was go into a gym and, um, you know, basically put my headphones on and get into my own silo and not talk to anyone. So also CrossFit was an expensive gym. So I knew that people who would, would be going to CrossFit, women that I would be interested in at CrossFit would, you know, necessarily have the income to afford that. And so it made me sort of look at, okay, well, at least health and fitness would be a value of theirs. And they could, you know, they would be relatively probably educated and have income and relatively self-sufficient. And so I started thinking where else they would show up, right? So I didn't think about going to clubs and dance clubs and things like that. As a matter of fact, that would be exactly the thing that I would um, not want. So I was thinking um, sort of very differently, that they would be out walking the strip, being active, all of these kinds of things. So when you think about meeting your next level human partner, you want to be thinking about where would they show up? And the other thing that is most critical here is that next level human friends introduce you to next level human friends. And those friends oftentimes will become romantic partners, right? And this basically brings me to uh, a little bit of a difference between men and women that I think is absolutely critical. Younger men and even older men, and I decided to stop doing this, what we tend to do as men is we will tend to relate to women and sexualize them. So anytime a good looking woman or a woman that we are attracted to walks into the room, we will essentially start evaluating them as a potential romantic partner. One of the things I thought very deep about is that what I want first is a friend and friend, uh, not someone who I am going to sexualize immediately. And I also did not like the aspect of this in men. And I did not like the aspect of this in myself in my younger years. And so I committed to, I would be friends with women first. I would get to know them first. And then if that romantic possibilities opened up, then I would become sexually attracted to them. And I would put that aside. And I thought deeply about this because one of the huge mistakes men make and you women too, I'm going to give you your big mistake too that bothers the hell out of us men is that as a more mature man, as a next level human, I don't relate to women and sexualize women anymore. I just simply don't do that. And it, it is an off, it puts me off when I see other men do it. And I also uh, just uh, can sort of empathize or sympathize with the idea that this is, think about being a woman and walking around and constantly being sexualized and never being looked at for who you are as a human being and only being judged on your looks. That is not a next level human doing that to you. And if you're a next level human woman, you're not going to want a man like that who only sees you as worthwhile if you've got a nice tits and ass and a nice face, right? It's, it's, it's actually, um, disgusting um, to think about for me now and a little bit repulsive. Now, this is no judgment to men who haven't gotten over this, but keep in mind, sexualizing women is not a next level human way of being. You want to be friends first. Now, at the same time, women who think that every man is sexualizing them, this is also a problem. I, I can't tell you how many times I have interacted with women on social media 
and uh, can tell that they think I am somehow romantically interested in them or am kind or striking up a conversation with a woman in line somewhere. And they immediately think that I am somehow uh, romantically attracted to them. This So men have this weakness of tending to sexualize women and making every woman about you know a romantic opportunity. And women do this very off-putting thing as well, where they think that any man who talks to them or reaches out to them or is interested in them is somehow interested in them because of their looks. This is a, a terrifying thing in both ways. And I think it illustrates the immaturity in both sexes and uh, something that is not a next level human way of being. Men and women both should approach each other from a friendship point of view. There is nothing more valuable to me now than my female friends who are my female buddies and not romantic interests at all. And I have a lot of them and they're some of my most rewarding relationships. They give me some of my best insights on understanding women. And they oftentimes say the same thing to me. And we talk about this a lot, but this is one of the first things that you want to do when meeting people. And of course, on social media, this is a lot of where we essentially a show up now. Of course, many of us are meeting people through social media. Um, many people say to me oftentimes, they're like, well, where did you meet this particular girl that you got romantic with? And I was like, well, actually, we were friends for a long time on social media. And so they oftentimes joke and they say, wow, Instagram is like a dating app for you. And I'm like, yeah, it seems to be interesting that way because it's a wonderful way to be able to make friends with someone slowly over time, get to know them. And usually what happens is over the course of time, of course, now we're in 2020 and we've had the pandemic. But over the years, you end up running into these people at professional conferences and you slowly build a relationship and a friendship with them. And some some of these have turned romantic uh, for me and have been amazing, wonderful relationships and friendships. And so social media can be a really uh, sort of good thing here. Now, a couple things here when you're looking at dating apps and everything else, I'll give you some keys here. Now, my program Next Level Romance talks an awful lot about this. But one of the things that you need to understand with women and men when meeting individuals is that men, you have to understand that women, um, this is very clear in the research and very clear from talking to women as well. And I'll remind you, I did a 2000, I have 2000 data points on 90% women of asking them all their likes and dislikes in romantic relationships. I actually did this on all of the dating apps several years ago. I would go on the dating apps, create a profile and just say, hey, you know, I'm here to, you know, um, gather information. Would you mind taking a, uh, a survey? And of course, I got booted from some of those. But many women, many women didn't like that because they didn't like the idea that I was solicitating, soliciting, you know, sort of surveys instead of wanting to date. But uh, it was really uh, useful. And I had 2000 data points. I had a girlfriend of mine doing the same thing with men. But ultimately, what I found in that is that women really, when they evaluate a man, they're evaluating them in terms of a story. They want to see um, who you are as a human. They're not evaluating you in the way that us men oftentimes evaluate women. Men oftentimes go, am I romantically attracted to her? A and B, do I want to get to know her? And women oftentimes come at it the other way. Now, this is a gross generalization, but it's generally true. Women often go, is this someone I would like to get to know? A. And B, is this someone I'm romantically attracted to? And so men, when you're putting together profiles and things like that, women will oftentimes be um, 
interested in who you are. They want to see your interests. They want to see that you are friendly and warm. They don't necessarily want to see bathroom selfies. They're not evaluating you for your six pack and chiseled jawline as much as you might be doing that um, for them. And so you want to really present yourself authentically and honestly. And this is critical because a lot of people don't do this on social media or in dating apps or in general. We present to the world our sort of best selves. And we oftentimes are putting on a show instead of just showing up the way that we are. This goes for both men and women. And also keep in mind for you women that you attract what you put out. So if you're constantly on social media or in your in your uh, dating app profiles and you are doctoring your face and taking away the wrinkles and just showing tits and ass and just you know showing your body and not showing what else you are made of and the things you love like your puppy or your kids or your career or your other interests you're actually asking for a man you're actually filtering men who are only interested in tits and ass and your face right and so in a sense this is why it's so important when you start meeting people you go who how do i want them to show up and how would i need to show up for a man who's interested in someone who values health and fitness or is interested in in a woman who likes to read instead of go to bars who are interested in just my authentic self it's a disaster when a man shows up to a, a date off a dating app and he does not look, you know, he's t 20 pounds heavier. Um, same thing. And this women fall for this more more uh, times than not. Men always are talking about this. It's like, how how'd that date go? Well, she looked nothing like uh, what she was. And we and we can see oftentimes in social media, all of us can see people doctoring their photos. And, you know, it's it's basically, OK, this person is not going to look anything like they look and it's not even about the looks at that point. It's just about the idea that does a next level human and a next level human partner put on that kind of show just to get a romantic date. Right. And so it's very, very important that when you show up in the way you're going to meet people, that you show up authentically. That's what a next level human would do you need to be your next level self to meet next level human friends and then see what happens right so you don't want to be you know sort of faking things and by the way men sort of fake status and women oftentimes fake looks and why because women are often it's gross generalization but evaluating men for status and power and men oftentimes uh, want to elevate their status and power as a result of that and women are oftentimes being evaluated for their looks. And so they'll oftentimes want to elevate their looks there. However, if we're talking about next level human stuff and escaping the culture level mentality when we're meeting people, we want to be um, authentic enough just to put our real face, our real body, our real personality out into the world. Now, at the same time, one of the things we have to do is we need to put aside our love box. In the last episode, we talked about this idea of a love box. A love box is, imagine this, this moving box that you were handed when you were a little kid and you put all your romantic ideas and perceptions and uh, things inside this box. And so we talked about the idea of attachment theory. Your first sort of for a, a heteronormative male or female, your first thing that goes in your uh, love box is your opposite sex parent. So if you're a male, it'll be your mom. If you're a female, it'll be your dad. Now, if according to attachment theory, 
if you had a great relationship with your dad, then the first thing that goes in there, the first kind of man you will be attracted to is probably someone who looks like your dad. If he's tall, dark and handsome, then it's probably going to be that. If he's shorter and blonde hair, it's probably going to be that. But then as you begin to date, and, and by the way, if you don't have a great relationship, you can actually be attracted to the exact opposite of that. But normally you are, and then you might be attracted to people on shows or an uncle or whatever it is. And, and you're not ob- actually attracted to these people romantically. It's just the, the first sort of contact you have in the opposite sex. And so the, these are the things, these go into your love box and your first romantic attraction when you're in junior high school. Your first sexual experience goes into your love box. The first kind of humans that you interact with in society and see in magazines and at the gym and all this goes into your love box. And what happens is we oftentimes get hemmed into our love box, our type. And what we do is when we're trying to meet people, we real, we start going, that's not my type. And this is a very dangerous way to look at this because what happens is your type is your old self. Your type is perhaps your base level human or culture level human self. Your type may be the exact reason you keep getting in the same dysfunctional relationships. What you're trying to do is create a new type now. And so you want to Go into this love box and take out the things that haven't been serving you and leave in the things that do serve you. And oftentimes what will not serve you is a particular attachment to a certain type of look. What you want is you want to expand that. I remember when I was younger, silly enough, that I only was interested in dark-haired, light-eyed, Mediterranean skin type women. This is very much my mom. Junior high school, high school, that's all I was interested in. And I had this very beautiful blonde girlfriend that I got started to get close to in high school. And then we got romantic. And then blonde, blue-eyed women went into my love box. And so I know you can probably relate to this. But when you're meeting people, you want to make sure that this is part of who you are portraying in terms of yourself an authentic type of what you are, but also realizing that the type that I want may be very different than the type that I've always gone for. The other thing I want to say, so so basically here, expand your love box is what I'm saying. Be very careful about roping yourself into this is my type, this is my only type. Now, the only the other thing I want to say here is a little bit about the chemistry, biochemistry, brain chemistry of attraction. This is a very dopamine-driven thing. So I do want to talk about dopamine here for a minute. We oftentimes, when we're meeting people, it's very exciting and it's sort of pleasure-oriented, but it's more the pursuit of a thing. And so dopamine oftentimes is thought of as the pleasure brain chemical, but it's more the pleasure of pursuit. And this is important because as you're meeting people, um, you want to always sort of leave uh, your self, and this goes into sort of now as we start to date, we are now in a culture of sexting and sort of putting ourselves out there in a very different way where we all share, um, uh, you know, pictures of ourselves, sometimes erotic pictures, these kinds of things with potential people who we have not even been romantic with. And one of the things that you want to think about when you begin to do this, so this is trans translating into um, now flirting, dating, and right before perhaps even you began a sexual relationship with someone, it is important and useful as we continue to have this conversation to understand that giving too much of a thing, it's kind of like if I give you a little taste of a piece of chocolate cake, you're going to want way more of that chocolate cake. 
right? But if I give you the whole thing and shove it down your throat, you're not necessarily going to love that. And so part of what people are missing is in this playful sort of, uh, I think most of us would agree, I certainly was a, a late comer to this, but I think most of us would agree there's something very erotic and sexy and um, really nice about slowly uh, someone revealing themselves um, slowly to you over pictures and uh, phone and this kind of thing. Um, but it needs to be done slowly and it also should be done in a very tasteful way to leave something to be desired so that there's a wonder and the dopamine drive is still there instead of sharing everything at once. Now, women tend to get this, you know, a woman may, you know, is not going to just send a dick pic like a guy, like some of these men will do. And what I would say to you, man, is number one, women don't relate to us physically the way we relate to them. And genitalia out of context is not only uh, inappropriate, but can actually be disgusting. It's just not something, especially for women, that, you know, they want to see out of context when they don't know you. They want to see it as they get to know you. So for men, as you're doing this, it's sharing aspects of your life um, and same for women. And then slowly as you begin to get a little bit more romantically attached, then you can begin to perhaps share a little bit of that and the the flirting and all of this kind of stuff. But it should be, in my mind, always just shy of showing um, all of it. And um, I'm saying this because this is what I've heard from women. This is what I've heard from men. This is uh, goes with the science. And it also is a personal sort of bias of my own that when you get raunchy photos and stuff like that, when you have not really gotten close to a woman, even if you're sexually into a woman, I personally don't love that. Now, some men might and some women might, but I think it is something to be desired with this dopamine drive. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is because I have something to say about this later on in relationships. Now, as you start to date, here's what you need to understand. Um, we humans don't fall in love with another person per se. We fall in love, at least in the beginning, we become attracted to a person based on the better the better person we think we would be by being with them. What we begin to do is we begin to project out and paint this story that it's going to, this relationship would be like this and I could do this with this person and we'll do that with this person. Now, women do this a lot more than men. So men and women, you come at this very differently. When a woman is daydreaming, she starts to become romantically interested in a man. Part of what she is doing is she is painting a picture of what life would be like, hanging out at coffee shops, cuddling up on the couch, maybe getting a dog together. What would this man be like in relationship with her? Part of what a man is doing, some of that, but a lot of what they're doing is what it would be sexually to be like to be sexual with her. And men and women come at this very different. Again, these are gross generalizations, but in general, they're true for most people. So generalizations can be useful. It's important to understand that women often come at romance and sexual relationships where they go, do I like this person first, A, and B, okay, now I like them, now I want to sleep with them. Men come at it very differently. They go, okay, do I want to sleep with them, A, and B, okay, now do I want to like them? And this is why there a lot of dysfunction comes in where women, especially women, complain of, you know, he was one guy before I slept with him, and now he's a completely different man after I slept with him. Why? He was all about the pursuit, the pursuit, the pursuit. 
Then we have sex and now he's nowhere to be found. This oftentimes happens with women. Well, the first thing is go back to what we said before. Be the next level human female so you can attract the next level human male who's not just interested in you for sex and vice versa, men with women. Secondly, though, understand that what is happening here is that for men, they need to, for in gro- you know, gross generalization here, but they often want to sleep with you first before they decide whether they like you, before they start looking at things differently. And you're different. You go, do I like them? Do I feel safe? Are they cool? Do I want, then you go, I want to have sex with them. So men and women come at this from two different points of view. And this is, is why I do think and it's not a game for women to make a man wait um, sexually to force them to uh, really see, is this man really interested in me? I do think this is an incredibly uh, viable solution to dealing with this. A man who sticks with you, um, who is showing up and is interested in you, um, is a man who is probably not going to break out as soon as you sleep with them. And so you want to see and notice how this man is showing up and talking to you and all that kind of stuff. Likewise, with women, men, think about it from this perspective. Women own the sexual domain. They essentially decide. They are the choosers. And so as men, men have to, they, men, a confident man is going to step up and pursue you and say, I'm available for you to choose. And he's going to make it clear to a woman, I am into you. I um I want you to consider me in this regard. But he's also going to get that ultimately women choose, and I think women need to understand that every man has been rejected many, many, many times. And so a woman who's kind of giving a man the cold shoulder or playing a game is immediately going to turn that guy off. And so both with men and women, um, what. The solution is, is what I call confident detachment. And this is especially, especially important for men. When you talk to women dating, they who are dating men, they will often say that they want a man to be very clear. They want to know that the man is into them and they want the man to be clear about that. They also don't want the man to be needy and they need the man not to crowd them and they need the man to sort of lay off. Well, this is what confident detachment is. It's like, listen, I'm into you. I want to date you. I have no no problem stepping up and being confident and asking you out. I have no problems, you know, um, telling you how I feel about you. And at the same time, I have no problems if you don't choose me. This is a very sexy thing for women Um and, and by the way, it's in my opinion. This I've talked to thousands of women about this. This is the way to show up for women because what it says is this dude digs me. He is confident. He is sure of himself. That is sexy. He also is fine with or without me. He is confidently detached. And same with women. Same thing there where women essentially go are confident enough to actually flirt and to actually say, yeah, I like you, but are also detached enough not to need to do to call them every second, not to need the guy to text them every minute. Right. And and you have to watch the way you show up with this as well. Right. Because the way the world works now, if you have a man who's texting, 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 crazy texting all over you in the beginning, this is a bad sign. A confident, detached man will be you know, judging and sort of uh, have their own life and they won't be constantly texting you. Right. And so think about that for a minute. Do you really want a man who's that needy, who's texting you every 10 minutes? And, you know, this is partly how you vet 
this situation. So in a sense, you want to be the person that you would like to date, right? You want to be confidently detached. I like you. I'm also fine without you. I like you. I would love to integrate you into my life. I also have my own life. This has a lot of uh, sort of impact and overlap with what we'll be talking about in relationships, right? That's, that's basically how this works. Now, you're vetting these people all the time. And I think that honesty is the absolute best dating strategy, honesty and authenticity. Because when you say exactly how you feel, when you get, you know, let's say vulnerable and you end up being confident and confidently detached, you get to see how this other person acts, right? So if you, if you get busy in a day and you don't text that person and then they show up giving you the cold shoulder, that tells you something about them. Likewise, if you have someone who doesn't text for three days, that tells you something about them. And so you begin to really get to vet this situation. Now, in a sense, when I talk about authentic, right, because there's this this balancing act here with confident detachment, what women often say they want when you interview them, uh, when you talk to them and when you read the research on this, they want a man who is open and available. They don't want a man who's gushing emotions all the time, but they don't want a man who is never able to to touch their emotions. And this is where this concept of vulnerability comes in, which we really misunderstand it. Women oftentimes tell me, they're like, you know, all I get nowadays are these gushy emotional men that talk about all their emotions all the time. And I'm just wanting like a a strong man, like a, a, a man that I feel safe with. Well, that's because men have gone in the long, the wrong way with this in a sense. Now you got two types of men, this alpha man who never expresses his emotion and this other gushy soft dude who's always expressing his emotions. So for men, what it needs to be is you are open and available to have all of the conversations. You're not afraid of emotional conversations at all. And you certainly will breach the, the topic if you need to talk, but your default is to just do your job. And so in a sense, being open and available is not the same as always gushing. And same with women, though. Right. So what men want is men also want stable women who they feel like can uh, manage their own emotional states. And so same thing with men. What a man wants from a woman is not a woman who is crazy needy all the time and can't manage their emotional states without a man. And so in a sense, can you see how impactful and powerful it is that you must become the next level human? I oftentimes am worried about people when I first start dealing with people romantically and doing coaching. I oftentimes am listening to how much time have they spent outside of relationships by themselves Because oftentimes, if they have not spent a lot of time in between romantic relationships and they jump from one romantic relationship to the next, this means they are overly reliant on relationships for their romantic stability. And this is oftentimes a bad sign for men and women. Now, the next thing that we kind of got to get into here is this idea of assumptions and expectations. A next level human does not have expectations. Now, I know this is going to be, what are you talking about, Jade? All humans have expectations. All humans make assumptions. This is ridiculous. Yes, all humans do. And we we do these things naturally. However, what I would suggest is that a next level human in romance, especially in dating, 
shows up with only expectations for themselves and only assumptions for themselves. In other words, they're very clear with their honor code, they're very clear with their boundaries, and they're very clear with their authenticity. And they don't make assumptions about other individuals and they try not to have expectations for other individuals. In other words, their expectations are for themselves. So if someone doesn't show up on time and this bothers them, that's an expectation for self that says this person doesn't value my time. My expectation for myself is to not date this person who doesn't value my time. See what I mean? So it's very different having expectations for self versus expectations for others. You solve all this stuff with just having very clear boundaries, things you will and will not put up with. And this is very much being a next level human. It's not saying if you don't show up exactly how I want you to show up, I'm not going to date you. It just says, what are the deal breakers for me and what aren't? And this comes from the beginning work of going through that feel acronym from your past relationships and your past stories. And so this is really, really important here. The other thing is that what people oftentimes do in dating when they're starting to become attracted to someone is they oftentimes start to, and, and you'll sort of see this, you know, someone is sort of um, attracted to you, whether romantically or not, if they start seeing you as similar to them and they'll even say, oh my God, we're so much the same. What this means is they're totally vibing with you. And this vibe is great. And, but it is a really wonderful part of a friendship or a, 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 a budding romance, a beginning romance, when you really just enjoy somebody, just the energetics of them. But you also have to realize that don't make the full assumption that you are so alike. You, because when you do that, you, you put on these rose colored glasses and you're unable to see the potential issues that will come up in relationship with this person later. And so you do not want to assume that opposites attract, nor do you want to assume that similars, you know, um, are, you know, uh, being exactly the same is also going to be something that serves you. You want to, in a sense, look for, do we share values? And are we similar there? Because that's super important. But also, do we have different enough ways of coming at things that this would be an interesting growth experience, right? Remember, this is about you grow me, not you complete me. And so in part of that, when you're looking at these assumptions and you're evaluating people, what you want to be doing is you want to let people show you who they are and not assume who they are. You also want to, in my mind, look at the old adage of someone can say whatever they want to say, but what do they do? How do they show up? So if you're talking to a guy and he's just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a very loyal guy and I show up and you hear stories of him talking about how he showed up for people and this and that but he doesn't show up for you or he doesn't check in with you or he doesn't, you know, um, walk you back to your car after a, a night in bed with him or any of these kinds of things. These things tell you something. Actions always speak louder than words. So let people show you who they are. Also, though, be be careful here, right? Because we also need to teach people what we need. And so this is where showing up as your next level human self takes some work when something happens in the dating realm that you don't love. Authentically being a next level human and being confidently detached means, listen, I just want to talk to you about this particular thing that bothered me a little bit. 
And I just wanted to let you know because I don't want it to fester or this and that. By doing that, what you now get to see is how they are going to show up for you or not. Will they take it personally? Will they feel attacked? Will they come to your aid? Will they hear you and listen? Does it turn into a productive, growth-oriented conversation? Or do they hijack the whole thing with their emotions, right? And so you can look at this, the way you communicate and the way they show up. Let them show you. Now, a couple things here is... Uh, you know, when we start getting into evaluating, the way I like to do this is you want to evaluate really people in two different ways. And just so you know, in general, women and men both are coming at this from a charisma point of view. So there, there's a whole science of charisma that attracts men and women to each other. Charisma is the combination of power, presence, and warmth. So women, when they're evaluating men, typically are looking at power and warmth. Men are typically looking at presence and warmth, dominating, but really we want all of these. And so women oftentimes, as they're evaluating you, will want you to come hang with their friends. Their friends' opinions about you very much weigh heavily on a woman, whereas it weighs less on a man. A man can like you, and if his friends don't like you, he doesn't really care, right? It's not that big of a deal. I mean, he cares, but it's not a huge deal. For women, though, if their family and friends don't like you as a man, then that is potentially a big deal breaker uh, for women. They want to see you show up and be powerful and warm at the same time. They want to see that you are socially savvy. Women are, are far more into intellectual, smart men because it, it demonstrates power and they like men who have a good social IQ. Now for men, women, women, uh, men want to know that you can have fun um, and you're going to be kind and warm and present uh, with people in their lives. And so this is how people are evaluating. So just remember this, that if a woman asks you to go hang out with her friends, this is a way that she may not be conscious of it, but this is a way that she is evaluating you as a potential uh, deeper romantic relationship if, if she's dating. Now, for men, uh, it's a little bit different, but the way you are going to behave around other people is going to determine the degree to which other these people of the opposite sex are going to be attracted to you, which means you can't perform, right? You can't put on an act because if you are acting like you're the life of the party and then she finds out or he finds out you're actually depressed and anxious half the time, this is a terrible thing to have happen. It says you are not authentic and not trustworthy. And it says you are not aware enough to just be who the hell you are. It's very important. Not only that, we subconsciously evaluate people on how well they're doing our, their four jobs. So when you look at someone, you go, is this person managing their financial job? Does the outward appearance or the way they seem with finance sort of matter. And yes, men, it's not a monetary thing with women, but it is something that women evaluate. And so the default of a man, it's partly cultural, but it's partly just the way we men and women show up is pick up the tab for women. Women will are very, 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 I can't say very enough, attuned to individuals, men who are cheap and men who don't aren't quick to to you know, necessarily share the tab or pick up the tab. One of the best things you could do with a group of women is authentically be like, you know, I would love to pick up, you know, everyone's drink or the, a group of friends. Or you know, if you're the kind of person that's like, you know, everyone's out drinking and you're the the guy who's sort of like, well, I didn't drink, so I don't want to split the tab. These are things that can really turn women off, and it's not about 
they are after money. It's about the power and the warmth factor that's, that you could put your own financial concerns aside just to have a good time and uh, with friends. And that if you ask this woman out and you're confident enough to ask her out, that you are going to pick up the tab. This is a safety thing for women. It's not a money-hungry thing um, for women. Now, at the same time with men is that, you know, with emotional support and also the idea that um, women are never going to, you know, pick up for a man or that it's always the man's job to do this. Men will evaluate you women on that regard. And so we do evaluate based on how people are handling their finances, you know, so we do pay attention what car they drive, how nice is their apartment, you know, what kind of job do they have, this kind of thing. We also evaluate on their health and fitness job. Do they take care of themselves, especially if this is a core value of yours, which it is mine, but many people, it doesn't matter. We look at this and we do evaluate, are they healthy, fit, vibrant um, for many reasons? Of course, the personal relationship realm, we're evaluating people on that. And this is huge, not just how they interact with us, but more importantly, how they are with humans. Do they smile at other humans? Are they kind to people in line? Do they drive when they're driving? Do they act like an ass? Are they a control freak? All of these kinds of things. And then perhaps the most important one is purpose and meaning. This is huge for women. This is one of the reasons men don't understand. Women love aspiring artists and they love people who are entrepreneurs and people who are driven and chasing their dreams. They do that because they really love the idea of purpose. But if it's constantly um, that talk and no action, women will quickly be turned off by that. So we evaluate people based on these four jobs. And we also evaluate the people we're dating based on what I call the five loves. And this goes into as we transition into how to have a relationship, right? And so the five loves are lust, what, what I would call passionate love, right? You need to crave the person you're dating. If you're going to get in a relationship with them, you need to crave them like chocolate cake, right? Like everybody wants that. That's what we want in a romantic partner. We want someone to have their mouth all over us and, and just crave us and like, you know, crave us like, you know, we're the best tasting food on the planet. That's what we want as a lover. So lust is important. Love, compassionate love is important too. This is really just about respecting and admiring who that person is in the world. Have you ever dated someone and you're sitting there and you're watching them talk or you're watching them do their job and you're just like, I just love who this human is. So it's not just passionate lust where I just want you. I want your body. It's also compassionate love. I just love who you are as a human. And then it's laughter. Does this person light me up with joy? It's learning. Do I learn from this person? Am I growing um, with this person? Right. So it's these aspects that we need to look. And then it's life. And what do I mean by life? It's the way that you show up, the way that you manage your dog and the way that you manage your finances. And are we compatible in the way we manage our space? And is one person dirty and one person need or whatever it is? And so we evaluate people on the four jobs, wealth, health, personal, personal relationships and personal development. We also evaluate people when we're dating them based on these five loves, lust, love, passionate love and compassionate love, laughter, learning and life. This is how we're looking at this. And so it's important that you evaluate this. And if, if you want to know a little bit more about the four jobs, check out uh, episode 35 of this podcast. Now I want to start getting into relationships. Now you're in a sexual romantic uh, partnership and you're beginning to become sexually active. Now, one of the things that is funny to me is I've heard this several times and I've heard this mostly from women. 
funnily enough, this doesn't come from men. I've actually never heard a man say this. I've never heard a man say, I'm good in bed. I've just never heard a man say that. But I have heard women several times say, I'm good at sex. And this is somewhat problematic. And actually, it's funny, funny, because I did an episode on how to be a good lover. Um, I think that was episode 45. It was primarily driven at men. And I had I, I was embarrassed to do it, but I had several uh, girlfriends who were just friends and past lovers who had teenage kids who really asked me to do this um, to basically talk about uh, women and men because they know I do this research all the time. This is episode 45. But at the beginning of that episode, I took great pains to say being good in bed is context dependent. There are plenty of women, I am sure, right now, some of my friends who are listening to this who are just like, Jade, you were rubbish, rubbish in bed. You were horrible, you know, like because we just didn't connect in that regard. Right. And I think there's probably plenty of women who say, oh, my God, Jade was a fantastic lover. This is context dependent. And the reason this is important is because I can't tell you how many times I've been involved sexually with a woman or heard stories from men or women of individuals showing up sexually the way they've always shown up. It's almost like they have a way of doing things and they just do that. And what ends up happening is what happens if that partner is just not into that and what or and or they're not ready for that. Um, and it's this really interesting thing because every human is unique and sexually, sexual sexual preferences and the sexual brain is very much like a fingerprint. It just spans all over the place. We have different sexual personalities. And so the idea that you're going to give head the same way or go down on a girl the same way or make love the same way to every single person is incredibly problematic in terms of being a good lover. And so there is an exploratory process that happens here. Um, and this is important. I'll go through several of these things for you here, but it's, it's, it's simple things. And I'll also give you some, you know, funny things about this where a uh, couple funny things. I was with a group of guy heterosexual male friends and a group of heterosexual women. And none of us, this is sort of like an event where only one of the, there was like, I don't know, big group of us out on my deck in Los Angeles back when I used to have get togethers there. And only um, out of the 15 or so people there, there was only one couple in the group and we're all talking. And several of the women who would talk to homosexual men were talking about how uh, men just love, you know, um, anal play and anal sex and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm, I was sitting there laughing, but I went around. I said, all right. I said, OK, I, I have I just let's just do an experiment here. Let's ask all the heterosexual men in the room how much of them love getting their ass played with or any of this kind of stuff and how many of them love anal sex in general. And what's funny, of out of eight men, uh, one man was just like, yeah, I'm into that. And um, you know, most of the other guys were like, uh, no, I definitely am not. And this is a part of what I'm illustrating here. The idea that you're going to you know, talk to particular men or take past relationships and expand on them into the current sexual relationship you're having is wrong. You really want to explore uh, sex with this particular person and having an open conversation uh, about this. One of the things actually that one hint that I can give you here is really interesting, especially women with men. Um, women often don't like to have these conversations, but if you really want to know a man's sexual flavor, uh, asking him about does he watch porn and what kinds of porn he watches is a good way to assess the kind of sexual brain that this particular man has. 
And and same with sort of women, you know, do they watch porn? Do they masturbate? That kind of thing. When these when these questions sort of come up, are they more, uh, you know, sort of conventional minded? And the way to think about sex really is I when after I went through and built Next Level Human, the romance program, I actually built a sexual compatibility um, questionnaire that helps understand how sexually compatible you might be with somebody. And I really think that dating apps should use this. But it basically goes on a several scales. First scale is it goes from how conventional are you versus how experimental are you sexually? So conventional would be like, you know, this is just the most conventional person to be like, I only like missionary and that's pretty much it. I, I don't like oral. I don't like anything else. Just missionary, right? That would be extremely conventional to the experimental side of things where it's like, I love, you know, um, you know, bondage and whips and, you know, being chained up in all kinds of different positions. And I love having sex outdoors where I can be seen and all this kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with any of this. This is what's beautiful about the sexual experience. Everyone is different, but you wouldn't want to get a very conventional individual with a hugely experimental person. That would be a disaster. So you want to look at where you are one to 10 on that scale. You can literally ask someone, where are you on a conventional submissive or the conventional experimental scale. Then there's another scale, which is dominant versus submissive. Now, in general, women, they're the ones who let the men in. They're the ones who invite you. They own sex. They dominate the sex world. They are the owners of the sex world. They invite us men in. But once they invite us in, typically they give over the reins to us in general. Women will tend to be a little bit more submissive sexually and men will be a little bit more dominant. But this is very gray, right? There are some women who enjoy being the dominant one. There are some men who enjoy being submissive. And so you want to look on a scale from one to 10, how dominant versus how submissive is this person in bed? Dominant meaning, do they take the reins? Do they, are they in charge? Do they direct the whole process? That kind of thing versus submissive where it's just like, I am going to let the other person, you know, sort of guide. And how often do they like to switch those roles? And then the final one here is how animalistic are they sexually versus how spiritual connected are they sexually? Some men, you know, really gravitate just towards porn sex. Turn over, let me bang my body into you. Other people are very spiritually, spiritual connected, right? And so, um, and, and want connected, passionate sex. And you want to know the natural preference here. Now, ideally, if you're with a partner, you want to be in the scales of one to 10. You want to be somewhere between like, I don't know, four and seven, where you can float a little bit there. So I call the zone of bliss which basically means that if you're too far on either end, if you're a 10 or a 1 or a 2 or an 8, you might be a little bit too far for this person. But if you're right there in the middle, right around 5, 4, 5, or 6, this is a great place to be because it means you can float. And if you are on the extremes, you might want to be very careful about getting with someone else who is not necessarily into that. There's nothing that can ruin a great friendship and that kind of stuff faster than just being completely uh, different in this realm. And again, this goes back to being authentic. A lot of men don't know this, but women are just freaking amazing in the way they show up for men. What a lot of men don't understand is that women are caretakers in the bedroom. In other words, 
course, they want pleasure themselves, but they oftentimes will manage your pleasure. They want they and they will even fake orgasm on occasion just so a man feels like they won something. Right. So a woman is managing everything sexually. She's managing all the orgasms. She's managing her own. Of course, she would like to. But it's not as straight and simple for a woman to orgasm. Um, as it is for a man. And she's also wanting the man to feel like he's doing a good job. And so oftentimes uh, she is managing all of this, which brings me back to authenticity. For many of us men, believe it or not, some of us can tell if a woman is faking it. And we don't necessarily love that because it feels dishonest. It feels almost like a betrayal in a sense when that happens. So this goes back to sort of this idea of, you know, making sure that we as humans are bringing our next level human authentic self uh, to the the sexual place and not, um, you know, faking it in a sense. And so when we get to this sexual realm, we also need to understand that sex is an ongoing thing. And so we talked about this whole thing of dopamine and the drive for sex and the drive for pleasure. Well, men and women are both going to have this, especially after they begin having sex. And what tends to happen for most couples is they just go crazy if you're lucky, right? You have this romance phase where you're just having sex all the time. And then as you get into a relationship, this begins to wax and wane, partly because we forget the game, the dating game. We forget to actually date. We forget to actually play. We forget to actually flirt. We forget the dopamine is a trigger. And one of the things that I oftentimes say is it's too bad that we don't leave sort of the raunchy, sexual, explicit, nakedness, genitalia, and all that kind of stuff just for the bedroom. Because when it's out there on texts and sex and all that kind of stuff all of the time, we become overly, we become sensitized to it. It doesn't mean as much anymore, right? And so in a sense, holding that stuff back, showing enough, but not too much, right? Playing throughout the day and giving yourself enough time and quality time away and quality time together is huge so that you can crave yourself again, getting distance, traveling apart, having separate lives. One of the things that happens in relationships is that a romantic partner, once you're in the relationship now, your romantic partner is serving several roles all at once. They are simultaneously your lover, your best friend, your parent, your mentor, and your sort of comic relief. And so, yes, they're your lover, your parent, your friend, your mentor, and your comic relief. And in a sense, these jobs are really hard for one partner to do. You can't make that partner everything. You can't outsource all your needs to your partner. You need to cultivate your next level human individual self by being and doing and uh, living a life by yourself while also living a life of growth with your partner, while also expanding and learning and uh, hanging out with friends who aren't romantic partners to enhance yourself so that you can bring back this thing into the relationship. In every relationship, there's really three entities. There's you, there's me, and then there's the entity that we create together. I call this the you slash me, or I just give it a name called you me. And so there's you, there's me, and there's you me. This you me entity is really can be considered like a third person. And the degree to which we make you me the center 
of our existence now is the degree to which we lose you or me. And so what happens is you really want to cultivate all three of these people. You has to be an individual thing. Me has to be an individual thing. And you, me, has to be an individual thing. So when you get in relationship, not only do you have to have an individual honor code, but I think once you solidify a relationship and you're now in a committed relationship, I think you have to have an honor code for the relationship. You, me, that new identity needs to have a flavor. And to me, this goes into keeping your finances and keeping me, my finances, and then us having finances together, right? And so from my perspective, this you, me, this you, me, and you, me scenario is really interesting and really useful as you move forward in a relationship. You need to cultivate me. I need to cultivate you, and we need to cultivate together you, me. And we need to be very, very careful about this and continue to communicate. And one of the biggest things here as we end this podcast is really about the idea that laughing and learning together, it's about you grow me, not you complete me, which means that I am growing as you, as me, you are growing as you, and you, me gets to benefit from this. We get to bring this back. And this is how we evolve this. Now, we hope that we grow together, but that is not always the case. And as long as we are having authentic, honest communication and dealing with the emotional stuff and the dysfunctions, which are a beautiful part of relationships, the idea that we're not going to have dysfunctions is absolutely silly. If we're going to grow each other, then one of the things we do in romance is we express our dysfunctions to each other. We show our dysfunctions. We need to get it. And we can never hold that against the other person. I'll tell you what, if you want to lose your man right away, make him feel like a loser. Men want to win. They want to know that they're capable. They want to feel like you see them as a capable, uh, strong, uh, charismatic human who can get the job done. So if you ever make them feel like they're not winning or that they're a loser or a pussy or any of this kind of stuff, you will lose your man. You will lose him. Either he will leave or you will lose him because he will never get that back once you do that. And same thing uh, for uh, sort of women. Don't don't with men also hijack the emotional space when a man it's kind of like training a dog for men and women. You don't punish them for what they did. You reward them for what they are. You know, you reward them. You don't punish them for the bad things they've done. You reward them for the good things they've done. So you don't punish them for not being vulnerable or opening up. You reward them and you say, I love when you show up this way. It's the same with sex, by the way. You know, when you're getting to going back to dating, when you're getting to know someone, you don't a big, huge no-no for you men, by the way, that women always say is don't try to, you know, um, you know, do this thing during sex where you're trying to feel, did you come yet? Did this, asking these questions, is that good? Does that feel right? All of this during sex. Afterwards is when you have that in the, in the soft space of pillow time and, and that kind of thing. And it's the same thing in the, uh, you know, sort of world of relationships. When you're in an argument or when, when there are, is emotional turmoil, you don't, uh, you know, address it then afterwards, you, you, when you're clear, you say, I love the way you showed up here and this and that. And you reward them for, for the things that they're doing right. And you sort of ignore the things that they're doing bad, very much like training a dog. As you can tell, I've been reading a ton of dog books because I'm getting a dog here soon. But this is, this is the thing that 
you need to understand um, the and for 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 men, the biggest mistake you feel you make with women, women make this mistake of sometimes emasculating their man by saying they did X, Y and Z wrong or making them feel like losers. Well, men with women, the number one thing you can get a woman to to disappear on you is making them not feel safe and not feel taken care of, especially when they're feeling emotionally unstable. Remember, women are oftentimes the ones that show up and are motherly and emotionally take care of uh, people in their world. What a woman needs is a very strong man who can show up and be there for them emotionally. And oftentimes that just means just be an emotional vessel. When they pour out the emotion, your job is not to solve it. Your job is to soak it up like a sponge for them or to be a rebound for them, to, to take it and dissipate it, to say nothing, just to be there as a solid, safe presence and then show up for them silently in all the ways that they need. The number one thing you can do to lose a woman is to not make her feel safe, not make her feel supported, and not make her feel uh, like she has the ability to show up and actually, uh, you know, be, um, you know, vulnerable with you and allow you to not see her as a weak, needy woman, but instead love that she is sharing this with you and vice versa. So I've been rambling on for a while now. I'm going to end this podcast here. Let me tell you a couple things. Number one, the, the Next Level Human Romance program is available um, until uh, midnight after the day, after Valentine's Day. So that would be the 15th. Um, it's still available for you. Go to drjade.com backslash next dash level dash romance drjade.com backslash next dash level dash romance. Use the code next level. You'll get 50% off the next level human romance program, which goes through all of the stuff I've covered in these two episodes and more. Also, don't forget about the next level human podcast sponsors, please. Uh, Cured Nutrition is my go-to for sleep aid. I am notoriously have difficulty with sleeping. I use their CBD product, Zen. It has been a game changer for me and helps me get my horrible sleep a little bit better. They also have a full line of great products, including CBD for dogs, which I'm getting a new puppy soon and I'm going to be loading up on their CBD because when I used to babysit for um, my girlfriend in Los Angeles, her puppies, uh, we use CBD to calm those dogs down, and it was just fantastic, and we used Cured Nutrition CBD. Also, Paleo Valley is an incredible company that I use for convenient whole food protein sources. You know, I'm all about protein. The Paleo Valley organic beef sticks are my absolute go-to for whole food protein. This is very much like eating a, an egg, and it is grass-fed beef, has all the right nutrients in it and the right ratio of good fats and everything else, and it has the same kind of protein, uh, uh, macronutrient ratio, protein, carbohydrate, fat, as an egg. No one wants to carry around hard-boiled eggs with them. I carry these things around with me everywhere. For both of these companies, for Cured Nutrition and Paleo Valley, use the code Next Level. You'll get a discount they get the sale. And I do get a little bit of a kickback from this to keep the podcast going. So it's a win, win, win for all of us. I hope you loved today's episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and I will see you at the next show.